0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Good morning, Bucknuters. Welcome to the BuckNotes Morning 5 here on Monday, December 30th, 2019. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Bill Bank Green. Bank, let's look back on heartbreaking loss a couple nights ago. Uh 29, Ohio State 23. Plenty of blame to go around. Ohio State has plenty of blame for themselves. I the replay official is out to lunch. Um, man, the bottom line is it's going to take a while to get over that one. 29-23, just your thoughts on uh, the game two nights ago, Bank.
2: Yeah, I was impressed with, uh, you know, Ryan Day, just how well they were prepared. Um, you know, that team came out ready for war. You know, and that's sometimes you wonder about, you know, are teams ready to go? Are they nervous? Is the stage too big for them? Um, I mean, Ohio State took the fight to Clemson. I thought they had Clemson reeling. I thought Ohio State was doing things that Clemson had no clue was coming. Um, could have blown them out. Game could have been over. You know, there's always a point in a game where even if you're, uh, even if it's a great team, that great team can crack and you can panic. You know, you really see it a lot in the NCAA basketball tournament where you'll see a favorite team get down by 10, 12 in the second half and they start to panic because they know, you know, these are one and done games and, and could be season over. And I thought Clemson was, was near that point, you know, 16 nothing was not quite time to panic, you know, but boy, if you could have got that thing 24, nothing, 20, nothing, who knows then, you know, you start to do things as a player that, you know, you do normally don't do because you think the season's going to end and, you know, like I said, I think the field goals early really came back to bite them where they, they could have put that game away in the first half and there wouldn't wouldn't have been the drama in the second half. But, you know, 60-minute game, Clemson's got a championship pedigree, championship coaching staff, and they, they did what they had to do to get themselves back in that game. And I thought, you know, Ohio State going into the to the locker room at 16-14, like before the game, would you have taken a two-point lead at the half? Absolutely. But once the game unfolded, I mean, I, I thought Ohio State had to be disappointed at the half being up two. Clemson had to be thrilled beyond belief to be within two points after the way they got hit in the mouth early. So, you know, props to Ryan Day and his, his staff. I mean, that team was ready to ball. That team was, you know, definitely prepared. So, you learn from it as a staff and as players. And you come back next year and you go back there and you, and you beat someone that's that's the, the theme for me from this you know i think that's how ryan day is going to approach that with his guys
1: yeah you can't kick field goals uh, against a team like team like clemson when you've got uh, when you're in the red zones one thing if it's a long field goal when you're in the red zone you've got to cash those in at least uh you know at least a majority of them for touchdowns so that was disappointing um the replay official though i mean i think i don't know what this guy was thinking now the the ejection on Sean Wade, maybe by the letter of the law, was the right call that was that was a tough break. What I want to talk about is the catch fumble. And return for a touchdown. That even even have, have I mean, officiating experts are coming out, you know, saying that that definitely should have stayed. It should have been the call in the field was correct, It they should have stayed with the field the call in the field. It should have been touchdown Ohio State. And there might not be a tighter fraternity than officials. Like they don't they don't speak out against each other. I don't know what this guy was thinking. It'd be one thing if the call in the field was incomplete pass. I still would have disagreed with him not overturning it. Like it should have been a touchdown regardless. But if the call in the field was. You know, it was one thing, he's not going to overturn it, fine. For him to take the call in the field and to change it, I mean, I'm still two days late. I'm still wondering what the hell he was thinking.
2: I mean, that's a missed call. That's a blown call. And I don't think there's any gray area there. Um, the Sean Wade call, I agree with you on that. By the absolute, you know, 100% letter of the law when you're in a 65-mile-an-hour zone and you're going 66. Can you get a ticket? And I guess you can. What I've thrown Sean Wade out of that game, there's no way if I was a replay official. I think, you know, you gotta take in the the moment you're in a national championship semifinal game. You get to watch that play over ten, twelve times, slow motion, fast motion. There's no malice there. There was no intent to do anything as a football play. So as a replay official, like a state patrolman, can you allow some leeway there? You know, uh, the, you probably didn't see it, but there was a the same situation in the first game. Did you see the targeting call on Radley Hines from Oklahoma?
1: I sure did. Yeah, I sure did. Okay, I was able now to watch the first one, half of the game for my hotel yeah, before heading on over to that disasters of a stadium in the desert.
2: <laughs> that was a headhunter play. It was not a football play. He actually left the quarterback run for a first down because he wanted to hit. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Hit him in the head. It was was a horrible play. There was a part of me kind of hated to see that guy thrown out of the game because it's a big game. It's championship. But, you know, I I thought they did the right thing there. Sean Wade, I mean, I thought that was, I guess, if you're a strict letter-by-the-law guy, then you got to throw him out. But I hate the rule. I've hated that rule. They, They haven't gotten this rule right since they instituted it. You can watch games week by week, game by game, year after year, and it's called differently every time. Everybody looks at it differently. I think it needs to be reworked. The the, the the fumble after the catch, I mean, I can't believe it. If you had 100 unbiased people look at that play and tell you, you know, how did they see it, I would think 95 or 99 would say, well, that's a catch. If that, if that play had occurred in the end zone, Okay, Dabo Sweeney would have went berserk, you know, saying that it was a catch and it's a touchdown. So, I mean, it's a blown call. It's an egregious blown call. I don't think there's any gray area
1: there. I mean, I,
2: I think it's black and white. It's a missed call. And yeah,
1: it's even. You know, it's, me, unfor-
2: it's, it's unfortunate.
1: unfortunate. Yeah, banking to me, it's even worse than a blown yeah. call because I give officials a pass on. I mean, not, I mean, you get mad in a moment when guys are going full speed and you know best athletes in the world, huge guys are going full speed. If you miss something you know, in lifetime, okay. you know, We would all do that. When you have the benefit of replay, no excuse. Now, here's what makes it even worse in my opinion. It wasn't just a blown call. It wasn't just a blown replay call. He changed the call on the field, and the call on the field was absolutely correct. The only irrefutable evidence was the call in the field was correct. I mean, I don't know. I mean, this guy... He's incompetent at best. I don't even want to say he, what he is at worst. I mean, I just, you know, I, I just don't even know what he's saying. There's a blown call, and then there's changing the call yeah. in the field. That makes it even worse, in my opinion.
2: No, I agree. I mean, it's it, it went against what replay is all about and the way replay is supposed to work. I mean, he totally went against the grain there. Um, you know, it has to be obvious to overturn a call. And they, You know, and, and that was not – it was obvious that it was a catch to me, so – Uh, I don't know, Dave. You know, you this will be discussed for the next, you know, how many years? I mean, it's a blown call. It's a miss.
1: Yeah. Yep. And they Ohio State has their their share of blame, but yeah, I'm with you. They could have had a chance to really put that game away. They've been getting the ball back at leading 16 to nothing um, after the Sean Wade sack. Instead, uh, that basically is a turnover. Sean Wade gets kicked out of the game. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you about the targeting call too. I wrote a lot about this. Um, yeah, if a guy's trying to take a, somebody's head off like he's Vontez Burfecht running around out there, and he's trying to take somebody's head off, the call should be subjective. If, if a guy is head hunting, kick him out of the game. If it's a glancing blow and you want to go let it the off, fine. But but don't kick him out of the game. Give him like a yellow card, you know, then the second one, kick him out of the game. Sean Wade should not be kicked out of that football game. Think about any sport. This is for you, Bill, and for all the listeners out there. Think about any sport you can think of. Now think about what it takes in that sport to get kicked out of a game, to get ejected from an athletic contest. Usually you're like throwing a punch at a player or an official if you're an Eastern Michigan quarterback. That's usually what it takes to get kicked out of a, of a you know, or if you're a baseball game, you say the wrong thing to an umpire, you know, something like that. Uh, maybe the wrong thing about his mother. I mean, for Sean Way to get kicked out of a game like that, it's just, that rule is insane.
2: Well, even like you say, if, if it's a baseball game and it's in mid-June between the Tigers and the Indians, the word you say is probably going to get you kicked out if it 's the sixth game of the World Series and you 're in the eighth inning you 're going to get a lot of leeway before they 're going to kick a manager or a player out of that game you 've got to take into account where you 're at. This was not you know Ohio State versus Akron on the you know week three of the season and a fifty one to nothing blowout. This is a championship game, and you 've got to look at that and if you once you watch that thing. I don't know, once is all it took for me. But once you watch it nine or ten times, that was a great football play by Sean. Wade. He did what he's coached to do. The kid leans down. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, 6'6". He was aiming for his numbers like he's supposed to. The guy leans in. It's helmet to helmet. It happens. It's football. I mean, Dave, I promise you, in, in a 120-play game, there is a helmet to helmet contact on every single play somewhere on that field, mostly in the line play. It happens. Right. It's unavoidable. So once you watch that thing four or five times, and you know that this is, a, this is a huge game, and it's a huge moment. I mean, do you cut the guy slack, or do you follow letter of the law? You know, it, traveling on Michael Jordan gets called in December when they're playing the Bucks. It may not get called in the seventh game when there's a minute to go. You know what I mean? You have to know the situation. You have to know where you're at. And you have to know that the call you're making, how is this going to impact the rest of the football game? And if Sean Wade had punched Trevor Lawrence or kicked him, throw him out. But when he makes a football play, and it's just – it's almost unavoidable on either part. I mean, I I couldn't have done it. As a replay official, before I take someone out of a championship game, it's going to have to be just one of the most horrible things you could do on the field. But, I mean – What are you going to, what can you say? I mean, letter of the law, it's helmet to helmet, and I, and I guess, you know,
1: I don't know. What are you going to do? It's over. Yeah, it's yeah. I guess we're just gonna bitch about it on a podcast. That's all we can do right now. Um, yeah. It, what's crazy is the Sean Wade play was was only his uh, second worst call of the night. It's just, and I love your analogy with you know state highway patrolman can pull you over going sixty six and a sixty five, but you know he never would, um, especially not uh, on Christmas Day. You know what I mean? It's right. Just, it's, right. It's it's, uh, it's unbelievable. And then you know we're never gonna know the explanation. But I, I would love to to hear from this guy because you know I, it, that was just as bad as it gets but let's move on um, obviously we know Jeff Halfley is leaving the program and that for a while now we know Mike Yursich is leaving we've been hearing that That made, was made official yesterday I've heard from somebody I trust profusely and I know we have other staff members that have also heard this So we have multiple sources on this that um, Ryan Day basically told Mike Yursich to look around so uh, I know Texas fans are mad that I put that out there that's just what I'm hearing um, sometimes the truth hurts and uh, let's get into who might replace them Jeff Halfley Probably Kerry Combs. That's what I'm hearing. So I want you to address that if you're hearing that. And are you hearing any – it's so early yet, I haven't heard any names who might replace Yurcich. Are you hearing anything on that front? Just talk about who might replace Halfley and Yursich.
2: Yeah, with Halfley, um, the Kerry Combs things make so much sense, mainly because we're not hearing anything. Um, you know, if it were another – College coach, you know, I I think something would have leaked out. The colleges all interview each other. They don't care if there's a championship game coming. Um, So with with the NFL, it's different, man. You don't mess with the NFL coaches until their season's over. It could happen back-channel-wise with Ohio State and Kerry Combs' agent. And we're not hearing a thing, which makes me think it is an NFL coach. And, boy, Kerry Combs makes so much sense. And it's probably going to come down to Kerry. I mean, he left Ohio State for a reason. You know, he didn't get forced out. He wasn't fired. He walked out of Ohio State for a reason. Now, if he's totally happy working for Vrabel, being in the NFL, you know, being able to play golf in June instead of going to these stupid camps and swallowing dust every day, um, then he's going to stay in the NFL. But, boy, if he wants to come back to college and maybe he misses the recruiting because he was so good at it, um, that to me just makes so much sense. You give him a nice bump in pay. You make him the um, co-defensive coordinator with Greg Madison. Um, and that makes so much sense to me. With with uh, Yursich, I mean, it's so fresh and so new that I don't know. You know, I, I don't think this came as a surprise, you know, to Ryan Day. Like you say, there's a, reports out there that they asked him to go. I was never told that they asked him to go. I was told that Mike Yursich is not happy being – you know his role at Ohio State. He thought his role was leading for him to be the true offensive coordinator, the sole play caller. Well, with Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson around, it's going to always be sort of a you know a compromise between three guys. There's not going to be one guy there. And I heard he was not happy about that and didn't see a path where he was the true offensive coordinator, running the offense. And I don't blame the guy. You know, what I mean, if your career you know, goal is to be a head coach or, you know, to be a sole offensive coordinator, then, you know, go look around. And I think it just wasn't a good fit. I mean, I don't think when, you know, it gets reported that Ryan Day encouraged him to look around. I don't think it's because, you know, Mike Yursich is doing anything wrong necessarily. And I think the guy's got a great reputation as a quarterback coach and an offensive mind. So it's just in philosophy. Yursich wants to go to point from A to B and Ryan Day, you know, Ryan Day's job is to win national championships. It's not to, you know, further anyone's career in that team, whether you're a player or a coach. Ryan Day's obligation is to be Ohio State University to win a national title. So if there's a difference in philosophy there, you got to move on. That's the way it goes. No different than Tate Martell or Joe Burrow. Difference in philosophy there. I don't want to be a backup. I want to start. Okay. Then you got to move on. So, you know, it makes a lot of sense to me that you know, you're either all in with our program, and if you know your program means more to you than our program, then you got
1: to go. I'm surprised Yostich was ever confused. Ryan Day was up front with everybody, including the media, that I will be the play caller. <laughs> Coach Day, are, are you sure? Is there any uh, room for negotiation there? No, I'm going to be the play caller. Like, period. He didn't say it like that. He's such a nice guy, but it was like, no, he's going to be the play caller. There was never any ambiguity there. Like, it was always going to be Ryan Day. Um, all right, let's get into some recruiting. What recruits are still on Ohio State's board for 2020? They're they still in on Jameer Gibbs. What can you tell us on uh, maybe any of the few remaining targets they have for this 2020 class?
2: Yeah, Gibbs is the guy. I mean, they want him. They want another running back. I mean, they've loved this guy for a while now. He is committed to Georgia Tech. Um, I'm told that's not out of the realm that he sticks with Georgia Tech, which you know kind of shocks the heck out of me. But he is a homebody. I was told if Georgia would offer that, you know, he would go there in a spot that they are not going to offer. They're going to get Zach Evans. And, you know, so he's out at Georgia. It's not going to happen. You know, Florida, uh, Alabama, kind of snooping around. I I think Ohio State's got a great shot. I think when they get him, he's already been there once for an unofficial. He comes back for an official, spends a lot of time there, gets the academic presentation, hangs out with the coaches, the players. I mean, I think that can make a difference for him. If Urban were still the head coach, you know, he won these every time. When he got a guy to come back for that second visit, I didn't care if they were committed to Alabama or where they were committed to. He would win that one. So, we'll see what they can do. I think Gibbs makes a lot of sense. I also think they, you know, I I think they know Sean Wade is gone, and I think they need – they lost Clark Phillips. you got to get another cornerback. Um whether it's a five-star, four-star stud, or you just bring in a guy that, you know, maybe not on plan A, plan B, but it's a guy that maybe you can develop, maybe you can work with. Maybe he becomes something.
0: And if he doesn't,
2: then he goes in the portal, and he goes to YSU or Akron in a couple of years and you replace him. But I do think they're going to add a DB and I think they would love to add a running back. I don't think they'll reach for a running back like they might have to for a DB though. Now, if there's a monster pass rusher out there that didn't sign or wants to come to Ohio State, I think they would take him too. Don't think they'll reach there either. Um, And then the portal's going to explode here, Dave, in the next week. Now that once these bowl games start to get over, and you may find the next Jonah Jackson in that portal where, you know, a lot of us hadn't heard much of Jonah last year. We sure know him now. So maybe you find uh, the next cornerback. Jonah Jackson, who's playing on a losing team right now, not ready to go on the NFL, has one more year to go and and doesn't want to lose. He wants to play in winning games. I think Jonah Jackson probably had the greatest year of his life this year. So yeah. you, you might, they might look for a guy like that on in the defensive backfield.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and uh yeah, Ryan Day's proven. I mean, he can uh he can land recruits, coaches, and transfers very, very well with uh fields. And Jonah Jackson this, this uh, past season. Where have the twenty nineteen Buckeyes been without uh, Fields and Jackson? All right, let's look ahead to twenty twenty one recruiting. Uh, Buckeyes already with six commitments in that class. Very early, they were the number two class in the country. Um, I, I know you guys hate these these type of questions, but I'm going to ask one anyway. Bank, <laughs> who might be next to join this class? You can name more than one. Who, might, who are some guys you're watching that could be next to join this twenty twenty one class for the Buckeyes?
2: You know they're set up so well for this class, Um, and I think just getting through, you know, get through the playoffs here, get through the second signing day, and, you know, once you see spring football start, these kids are going to start visiting all over the country again, and then you get into the spring game. I mean, who's next? I mean, I keep hearing rumblings that possibly Corey Kiner could be ready to make a decision. Maybe Mike Hall is ready to make a decision, so... You know, it's hard to say. I do think that this class could double by May 1 because I think things are going to go quickly once they get into spring football. And I would look at the guys that visited for that 10-state game. That was a pretty pretty nice collection of who's who of 2021 dudes. So, like I said, I think they're set up to have a much better class in 2021 than they've had in 20, and the 20 class is darn good. Um, they could challenge for the number one overall class next year. I mean – they're going to lock up the Ohio guys that they love. And this is a tremendous class in Ohio. Believe me, this is an elite special class in Ohio. And then they're set up so well nationally. You know, the guys I would look at for them, I, they really need to land an elite defensive back class, I feel. so, But they're going, to, they're going to hit everything across the board. This Another receiver class is going to be tremendous again. So, you know, Troy Stolato, I think they're in great shape for him. It's just, you know, like I say, I'm going to do a 2021 summary here in the next couple of days of where I think they're at. And where I think they're at is a pretty good place.
1: That sounds good to me. Great stuff as always from Bill Bank Green. Really appreciate it, Bank. And appreciate all the listeners tuning in to the show. Hope everyone has a great day and a happy new year. Let's hear that Buckeye Swag, best band in the land.